Welcome to Suspending the Rules, Bloomberg Government's weekly look at what's happening in Congress. Congress is on recess during Memorial Day week, and with only four months until the end of the fiscal year, the pressure is building for a new spending caps agreement and on appropriations. It's also unclear if lawmakers will make a deal on other issues like drug pricing and infrastructure. This is Suspending the Rules from Bloomberg Government, and I'm Adam Shank. And I'm Sarah Babbage. Last week, lawmakers and the White House came to an agreement on a couple of spending topics that had them at an impasse. Joining us now to talk about those issues and to preview the summer slate on Capitol Hill are Bega Budget and Appropriations reporter Jack Fitzpatrick and Deputy News Director Lauren Duggan. Welcome back to both of you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So let's start with what happened last week. Lawmakers came to an agreement on disaster aid finally after the House has passed it, different iterations of it numerous times. What happened with that deal and how did it come together, Jack? It came together mostly by President Trump agreeing to pass disaster aid or sign disaster aid without a border component. And after probably weeks of lawmakers pushing him to accept more or less what Democrats wanted on Puerto Rico, they had been pushing for more funds than Republicans wanted to provide. That opposition was driven mostly by Trump rather than congressional Republicans. There were some compromises, but for the most part, it's what Democrats wanted. It's $600 million in nutritional assistance and a little over $300 million for sort of long-term rebuilding funds through the community development block grants. So they got mostly what Democrats wanted. They'll continue working on the border component for funds for Homeland Security and Health and Human uh, Services. But of course, they have to actually pass this through both chambers. It's passed through the Senate. They are going to try and try again uh, in this recess week to you see it in the House. Uh, but they have the agreement from President Trump to sign it, sort of allowing them to do disaster aid only and then keep working on border stuff. And what is it about the border stuff that that was not included in this agreement? So what was the fight there about? He wanted four and a half billion dollars for mostly for the Office of Refugee Resettlement in HHS. There's also some money for uh, Homeland Security. This is the humanitarian funds, not a border wall or anything like that. It's kind of about processing people because of the influx of people crossing the southern border, and then how do you house children who have been separated from their families, uh, sort of just going through the process of, of reacting to how many people are there rather than a border security component. Democrats are willing to give money for that, but they have a lot of conditions that they want to add. We don't even have a full list, but from what I've heard, it's a, it's a very long, complex list of issues that Democrats want to address, including not too much money for Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. Previously, they've talked about a cap on interior enforcement so that ICE is focused on people detained at the border rather than people who have been in the country for years. Uh, They want to make sure that border personnel, border security personnel are not shifted over to doing paperwork and they, they continue in a security role rather than doing asylum interviews or anything like that. 
it sounds like there are a lot more issues that they had to work out. Uh, so they decided to separate that from disaster aid because it was taking a, a pretty long time for Democrats and Republicans to go back and forth on the counteroffers. And it, it, it almost got into an immigration policy discussion rather than just funding. So, Jack, one question I have looking at this dynamic is what happens to that money and how complicated does this make just the fiscal 2020 appropriations process? Because when you get to the big pool of money for Homeland and the border wall gets into the discussion, where do they go from here? It definitely makes things more complicated for regular appropriations, especially if they're kicking this can down the road. Uh, we're, we're getting to the point where Democrats are going to be trying to pass appropriations bills for fiscal 2020 on the floor. The Homeland Security bill is going to be a tough one. HHS kind of stayed away from a lot of the controversial parts that they could have gotten into for the Office of Refugee Resettlement. If they were to pair that with the defense bill, it would maybe get bipartisan support. Maybe there'd have to be some amendments. But the timing is definitely made more difficult if they're going to spend the next month or something like that going back and forth on immigration policy. And then that runs into the question of how many riders Democrats want to put on the normal Homeland Security appropriations bill. Uh, They're going to face some more complicated questions about uh, the supplemental for border issues if they can't attach it to the disaster aid supplemental, because the disaster aid supplemental will get a lot of bipartisan support. If it can't ride on that, uh, it's going to be a a lot more complicated just politically figuring out what goes into this next supplemental. Uh, and how they get it across the floor. Tell us about how that all fits into the discussion over the spending caps for fiscal 2020. And we've got the um, debt limit issue hanging out there as well. Yeah, they put in a good effort. It seems like all parties put in a a good effort last week to try to get to a budget caps deal and debt limit deal somewhat unexpectedly, because we already are at the point where the House and Senate are going to take two different tracks on their appropriations. The House Democrats have gone with the numbers they proposed originally, $733 billion for defense, and it's actually an equal increase on the caps for defense and non-defense. So that's a little less than Trump wanted for the military. He wanted $750 billion. Uh, and Republicans don't like the fact that it's a significant increase for non-defense funds, but they're going to mark their bills up to that level in the House. The Senate is still talking to the House, talking to the White House, House about what kind of level they'll ultimately use. Eventually, they're going to have to pick something, give the appropriators their top line numbers. And it sounds like, according to Richard Shelby, the Senate Appropriations Chairman, he likes the $750 billion number for defense and then is figuring out exactly what the right level would be for non-defense. He's, he's said that an increase over last year, uh, over fiscal 19, would be reasonable. But it's a question of how aggressive they want to be, Senate Republicans Republicans on uh, sort of keeping down that non-defense number. So they're going to go with two different tracks in the House and Senate, but continue talking about what the ultimate deal would look like uh, to, to get those numbers together in the end. And they can't be too far off considering they were relatively close last week and even got to the point where Mitch McConnell said he expected a, 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 an agreement in the same day as they had White House officials visiting the Capitol. So it's if they come up with a deal, it's not going to change the entire appropriations process because they've already started working on their bills that will look different in the House and Senate. But they may be relatively close to uh, a two-year deal for budget caps and the debt limit. 
And I also saw the votes in the Senate Armed Services Committee on NDAA as an important sign that there's agreement in the House and the Senate that the administration approach, which was to put a lot of money in overseas contingency operations accounts to get to that $750 billion number, the Senate uh, authorizers um, rejected that basically and said, no, you can you can spend, what is it, $74, $75 billion in OCO, but the rest of it has to be in the base accounts, meaning that they're basically conceding a cap increase has to happen at some point to, to spend that amount. Right. And the fact that they talked about a budget caps deal seriously so recently indicates that even the White House understands its opening bid of just using those OCO funds and not even raising caps at all, uh, that's fallen off the table. Everyone understands there's going to be a budget caps deal. Non-defense will rise. We don't know exactly how much, but it will increase from 19 to 20. And and defense will also rise, but there's not going to be some sort of gimmick using OCO funds to just avoid a caps deal altogether. So let's pivot away from appropriations just for a minute. There was a meeting between House leadership or Democratic leaders and the president that was supposed to be out about infrastructure and then was very quickly sort of derailed into a, a discussion where the president said that he would not make a deal legislatively with Democrats until they ended their investigations. And, and I think it's important to note that sort of very shortly after he made this proclamation that um, he then agreed to sign the disaster package with Republican senators. What does that mean for other legislative business going forward? Are things off the table? um, Or are we going to still see this sort of deal making from the White House? You know, I I asked around after that meeting, which really was a blow up in which Trump indicated he didn't want to work on any legislation with Congress when there was any talk of impeachment or any investigations of him. Uh, But there was a lot of skepticism in Congress about how serious he was about that demand, especially considering immediately afterward he agreed to uh, sign into law a disaster aid package. Uh, One thing that was pointed out by Roy Blunt, an appropriator in the Senate, you know, he said they came into this meeting with an uphill battle because they had already talked about a $2 trillion number spending for infrastructure, and then they were supposed to go to that meeting and talk about pay-fors, which is a much more difficult part of the discussion of passing legislation. So it's not necessarily a surprise that the infrastructure meeting didn't go well, especially considering they, they got a deal on disaster aid, they continued to talk about budget caps. From what I'm hearing from House Democrats, they're really just planning on doing exactly what they would have done otherwise. And if Trump changes his mind and says, no, I don't want to sign this legislation, whether it's budget caps, debt limit, anything, uh, then then I think they'll be able to pin it on him and say, well, at least we did our job. So it doesn't sound like anybody is planning to do anything different other than the fact that they don't have pay-fors agreed for for an infrastructure package. And that really uh, doesn't look particularly realistic, passing an infrastructure package in this setting uh, after that meeting. And even before the meeting blew up, up. The night before they were supposed to meet and start hammering out the details, there was this letter that President Trump sent to, I think, Nancy Pelosi saying, I really think we should be doing the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement before we do infrastructure anyhow, which seemed to move the goalposts even farther on getting to some sort of infrastructure deal. So I think there's a, a lot pushing against there being some sort of infrastructure deal. But on other pieces of legislation that Democrats and Republicans could find some sort of agreement, I think that those are still 
possibly pushing in the direction toward an agreement, or at least they're not forestalled because of what happened last week with the blowups. Yeah, we haven't heard anything specific that's bad news for budget caps or disaster aid from the White House, at least. So it sounds like all the lawmakers I've talked to just are assuming that they should stay on the same path on, on pretty much everything they've been working on. And until they hear specific bad news about budget caps, debt limit, anything, uh, then they're, they're just going to treat it as if that meeting didn't happen. All right. Well, that's good to know since, uh, you know, there are a number of other areas of bipartisan uh, or potential bipartisan agreement like surprise billing uh, and drug pricing and, and as well as, you know, potentially um, I think one question a lot of us had is does this did that meeting sort of jeopardize, you know, or increase the sort of animosity around the trade deal um, that the president negotiated or that the administration has been negotiating with with Canada and Mexico? And I don't know if, Sarah, if you want to chime in on that. I think that some of the stuff that pol- um, Congress is doing on the policy front um, on on infrastructure and on the trade deal are still kind of moving forward, um, despite some of the name calling among leadership and the president. It sounds like Democrats have been making um, progress in getting Robert Lighthizer, the U.S. Trade Representative, to kind of hear their concerns and um, work with them on especially uh, the changes they want to see for enforcement in the USMCA. So I think there's still, um, from what we're hearing, um, at least some level of good faith effort on both sides to try to find a way to move that agreement forward. And then, of course, House Democrats are still um, looking for ways to advance their infrastructure agenda this year, um, despite uh, maybe some pessimism that they're going to have any kind of new funding for a big deal like that $2 trillion package that was floated a few weeks ago. All right. Jack Fitzpatrick is a budget and appropriations reporter with Bloomberg Government, where Lauren Duggan is the deputy news director. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's it for this episode. We'll talk to you again next week when Congress returns to town. Thank you for listening to Suspending the Rules. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find more on the subjects we discussed today and a whole lot more from Bloomberg Government at about.bgov.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at BGov. The legislative analyst team is Sarah Babbage, Noreen Chowdhury, Danielle Parnas, Michael Smallberg, and me, Adam Taylor. Our editor is Adam Shank. Nico Enzalata is our sound engineer. Our theme music is Home Organ by Zach Nasita. More information on that can be found at premiumbeat.com. You probably have a lot of questions about the environment. Well, so do we. Are we talking like radioactive chemicals? Is this becoming sort of irrelevant if the U.S. doesn't participate in this? What's going on here? How far did the Trump administration go? And Is mining really better down where it's wetter? Climate change, chemicals, water pollution, you name it. If it's in the environment, we're talking about it. Listen to Bloomberg Environment's official podcast, Parts Per Billion, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, get up-to-the-minute reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com.